coming to you live from the Business Radio X studio. It's Franchise Marketing Radio, brought to you by IDS, an award-winning digital marketing agency that delivers integrated marketing solutions for franchisers, franchisees, and franchise development teams. Learn why over 75 brands depend on IDS's team of dedicated marketers and client service professionals to deliver a strong ROI on their marketing investment. Go to IDSFranchiseMarketing.com for a complimentary digital audit and consultation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Franchise Marketing Radio. I'm Rob Ganley, your host. And today we have a special guest. I say that every every episode, but they all, they all are very unique and interesting folks. So without further ado, I want to introduce Zach Mead. He is the Vice President of Training and Field Support at SpeedPro. Welcome to the show, Zach. Hey, thanks, Rob. Great to be here. It's great to have you. Uh, so tell us a little bit about how you wound up at SpeedPro. Tell us a little bit about that and a little bit about what SpeedPro does for folks. Yeah, thank you. Um, my tale, probably like many others, is a bit of a winding path. I, I didn't start out in, in franchising. I, I, I was a finance guy at start. came out of college and worked for GE. I was still there when... Uh, Jack Welch was still there. And so I was, yeah, I'm that old. That's right, Rob. Uh, yeah, Neutron Jack was still there. So I started out with that. And I moved into sales after that because I remember working on this project for about six months. And then I sent it off and I never heard back to it to this day. And it's been about 35 years. And so I said, I got to go work somewhere where I can make a difference and, and actually have some visibility of things. And so instead of sitting in a cubicle and uh, crunching numbers on a spreadsheet all day, I figured I'd do something else. And I, I just kind of fell into sales like a lot of people do. My mother said I should go into sales because I was a good talker. And I didn't realize that it's not about talking. It's about how well you listen in sales. And so that was uh, one of my first lessons. But through that experience, I became, you know, I was a Zig Ziglar guy. I'm a Sandler sales graduate, Miller Hyman, all that stuff. And I really got into it. And I was like the number one sales guy in the Great Lakes region. I'm from uh, originally from Canton, Ohio, where the Pro Football Hall of Fame is. And so... You know, we had a small office in Cleveland and we were beating the pants out of New York and Chicago. And so I got a chance with that company to go overseas to London, which I always wanted to do as a kid. I was a big King Arthur guy, you know, Knights of the Round Table thing. And I like uh, English football, soccer to us Yanks. And I said, man, I got a chance to go in London. Like, let's go. And so I met this girl on a blind date and then the job came through and I said, hey, you want to get married? And so from the day we met to the day we got married was seven weeks, <laughs> got wow. married it was a quick wedding. And then two weeks later, we moved to London together. Never been there. Never had, we just got our passports, no family, no friends. Just say, hey, we'll go figure it out. That was 17 years ago. We were our, our uh, 17th year anniversary was September. So we made it, but it was a really cool experience. Yeah. We thought, Hey, we go for a couple of years and travel. Right. And I worked in the banking sector because of my finance background uh-huh. and I was doing consulting and sales for the, for the big investment banks and hedge funds. And we just kept, I, you know, my job kept progressing and my wife's did too. Well, we didn't even come back till 2016, and we ended up getting our dual citizenship as well. And so we're we're on both sides of the pond, as you say. But I I grew up in that banking sector, and then and then the the crash hit 0809, you know, mortgage banking crisis. I eventually lost my job. I ended up doing a startup uh, involved in a couple of startups, which was cool. But when we finally decided to move back to the states, I think my mentally had changed. Where I had really gone from finance to sales to everything was more about. And sales is more about what you're putting on the board and, and the money you're making for yourself. And that's great. But I was at a point where, A, I was tired of the, the sort of Damocles hanging over my head every month to put the, put the numbers up. B, 
but also, yeah. and I did well, but also was I wanted to give back. I wanted to do something else where I could, again, see the results of my work and not have it just about me. And so franchising was a, was a logical step for me when I moved back to the States. We landed here in Denver. Uh, God bless Canton, Ohio and London, England, but you never see the sun. Uh, the food is underrated, by the way, in London. Everybody says English food is lousy. That's not true. But the weather is what kills you. Uh, we went probably three years without seeing the sun at all. And so, so we said, hey, Denver sounds like a cool place. It's sunny 300 days a year. We can do some skiing, this and that. So here we are. And that's where I found Remax, which was headquartered here in Denver, mm. which leads me to Speedpro because the former head of the international group at, at Remax, Larry Oberly, um, got the opportunity to be CEO at Speedpro in 2015, 20, or, uh, 2017. And then I saw him at the Remax convention and Larry said, Hey, I got this new venture. I finally got a chance to run my own railroad as it were. I'd really like you to come with me. You know, we're kind of getting speed pro off the ground. And, and that was, uh, that was five years ago. And so, uh, so I've had that, you know, I, I spent a few years at Remax to kind of under really understand how the FDD works that, that classical franchise education uh, you know, I was working with the, you know, the, the individual uh, agents and brokers out in the field. So I had that, all that field support area and, and, and kind of learned how a big business like that does training on a, on a grand level. And so I was able to take kind of my sales experience, my finance experience, overseas stuff that happened and all of that at Remax. And then when Larry asked me to go over to SpeedPro, it was like a natural conclusion. And uh, Larry just retired in uh, at the end of the year. So so uh, Paul Brewster's taken over as CEO, but I, I'm always thankful to Larry to give me the shot and yeah. I, I really wanted to sink my teeth into it and go, man, I really want to do something different with training and, and bring something cool to the table with all my kind of years of experience. And I was able to do that. And I actually kind of built our own training program at SpeedPro in terms of sales and leadership and culture and recruitment and retention and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so that, that's where we are today. Yeah, no, that you know, and and I, I, it's funny you talk about uh, Colorado. I'm in Colorado Springs, so we're not far. Oh, great, hey neighbor. Uh, we're, we're, we're virtual, exactly. We're virtual right now, but we're actually pretty close. Could almost have done it live together in one room, like the old days. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I know what you mean about the sunlight. You know, it uh, being <laughs> from the east coast of the U.S., it was similar and. Uh, it does, doesn't it? It makes a big, profound effect on you when you live in a place where there's a lot of sun. So, I'll never, uh, I'll never regret that. And, and the timeline's similar. Uh, me and, and my my wife moved here. So I guess it was about. This has been seventeen, not quite seventeen, fifteen years ago. But uh, you know, kind of a similar situation where we just wanted to make a change, and we were happy mm -hmm. we did. So anyway, now that goes. It's, it's always, always something that you can take from that kind of a life change. Uh, but yeah, and your background is, is very, well, a lot of overlap with my background, but I can also see where that uh, plays into your current, your current role. Um, tell us a little bit about Speed Pro in terms of um, first, you know, who you're serving, like who your, your market is. And, um, and then we'll get into a little bit about uh, how this, you know, what you consider to be the keys uh, to getting someone launched in a market uh, successfully and quickly. But let's start with what SpeedPro focuses on and who your ideal market is. Yeah, so uh, our motto is, is B2B. Um, doesn't mean we can't have individual customers come into a studio and you know ask for things. But we are primarily a B2B uh, function. And in short, we do wide format printing. Now, before I got into this, I couldn't tell you what wide format printing was. 
I've now learned that there's small format, grand format, wide format, all kinds of things I never thought I'd know. Now I do. What is what is what does wide format mean? Basically, not your copy or paper. And we're doing things like wrapping fleets of vehicles for, say, a trucking company. Uh, okay. You know, some of those great fleets you see on the on the on the highways, you know, might might have been wrapped by a speed pro somewhere. Uh, big trade show booths and displays. We're a lot big stuff into events. You know, what's really come back after COVID has been like big weddings and people want to have theme weddings and things like that, right? So that's maybe an individual basis, but we work through yeah. typically event companies to do those kinds of things. Um, yeah, we've gotten to the point, Rob, where it's almost like if if you can think of the artwork, we can help you design it, of course, whatever that is, but we can pretty much print and wrap anything. Like we do buildings, <laughs> We've wrapped buildings. Um, I just heard of one the other day that freaked me out. There's a submarine company we're working with that we're wrapping in the in, in inner parts of the submarine with vinyl for something. Um, obviously, we'll talk about COVID, but I mean, during that period, we pivoted to, you know, safety signage and, you know, distancing signs. And so, you know, whatever we can do to help a business grow their brand and promote their their brand. Gotcha. You know? and, and again, it's, it's really about helping them be more successful. And so... Yeah. Uh, that's kind of what we do. Yeah. Um, as, and, far and, as, as far as launching, um, I mean, there's a whole thing there in terms of, I, I think you got to start with franchising, right? I mean, I think, you know, that's one of the benefits of franchising. And I've been exposed, you know, in and out of franchising. And I can tell you, franchising, one of the things that really helps that you don't have on your own is you hear those stats about how many, you know, new small businesses fail every year. And yeah. I think franchises are going, hey, we can, we can maybe change those numbers by giving you the support of the network because you're not on your own. You know, there's, there's a common phrase you probably heard before. Uh, you're in business for yourself, just not by yourself. Sorry. And we very much believe that. And so it's like, we want you to be independently owned and operated. Um, you know, we're not overly hands-on with owners in that way. Like, you know, being very strict about things, right? Sometimes, you know, different franchises say that the food service or whatever, there's, there's a lot of strict things because of healthy, you know, and look, we want owners to have their maintain brand standards and things. But I think that's sure. one of the nice things about speed pros. Like we're not in your business if you don't want us to be, but right. at the same time, there's a whole structure behind the home office of what we do. You know, my job in terms of field support and talking to individual owners, you know, getting them onboarded and the whole team rallying behind, because frankly, we we're successful and they're successful. Right. Yeah. We want them to be, you know, so we can put it in the FDD and we can we can help them, you know, reach their dreams. And so yeah. so that structure, there's a there's a lot going on there. And we can talk about whatever elements you like. Yeah, yeah. right. No, I mean, when you know, when I think of that, of course, you know, for, for our audience too, you know, just the idea of franchising, you know, you said being in business for yourself, but not by yourself. Um, you're investing in a brand, you want to be in business by yourself, but not or not by yourself, but for yourself. And you're mm -hmm. investing in, in a brand that had a vision before you discovered it. And that dynamic creates a win-win where, you know, if, if the franchisee is succeeding, then the network grows and we see that. And that makes sense. Right. And of course, franchises make choices about how fast they grow and um, it's up to them where they want to be and, and all that. So that's not always just because a franchise is growing at a certain pace doesn't, you know, doesn't mean that that's what they want or don't want. I mean, they may they may not want to grow super fast. Some grow super fast, mm -hmm. but one thing is for true that a franchise brand won't grow like that if the franchisees aren't doing well. And that's what you just talked about is is that you want to find that right relationship. So 
with that that owner. Um, but at the same time, you got to give them the foundation. You got to give them the expertise to fill in the gaps of the things maybe they didn't know they didn't know, right? But I mean, I mean Rob, you- I mean, heck, on that point alone, I mean, there's hardly any of our owners that come from a printing background. I mean, these guys are typically white collar guys that did pretty well in their jobs, that saved enough money to buy a franchise and finally said, I don't want to work for the man anymore. Like I've got lawyers and doctors and not not doctors, but engineers and uh, a lot of, you know, computer guys and, and, and they've got to go learn all of this stuff. And so, you know, I mean, you know, you look at some of these machines, they, a lot of times they like to play with them. It's like their sandbox back there. It's like big Tonka trucks, right? But you got to learn how to use that. And not that we want you working in the business. I want you working on your business as an owner. But I think it's it's, you have to learn that initially so that you can then help train others or at least have the knowledge. And so that initial learning curve is is pretty steep, you know, because people are not coming from this kind of background. And they might have worked in a a white collar office where, you know, a lot of these guys had minions. And all of a sudden they they go, hey, I've never hired a blue collar worker before. How do I do that? Yeah, right. You know, and there's a there's a transition and, and that's where we've got to be ready as the, as the home office to help and hold their hand and walk them through all of those things that are different so that they can get off the ground running and be successful. And by the way, Rob, let me just mention this as well real quick. Uh-huh. This is yeah, maybe a little bit unique to us in that I try to talk to owners pretty early on, even like even a discovery day about uh-huh. having the end in mind and thinking about when you want to sell this. Now, we right. want them to maybe they can renew their their agreement and carry on and whatever, but I want to start them on a path of growth and thinking about what the end in mind for them is right out of the gate. Because we know that when you go to sell a business, whether it's franchise or not, it's not like cramming for a test. You can't just say, hey, I got to go ahead and turn around and sell this. And that's typically because of a life change, a health issue, you know, whatever, or you're just tired and burned out. And by that point, if the numbers don't add up and you haven't built it to be ready to sell to somebody else, you're not going to get the value that you want. So it's not only for us, Rob, of, of getting them off the ground to be successful for us, and for themselves, but it's it's a longer term holistic view of hey, mm. in eight to ten years, let's get to a point where you get a multiple of three x plus, and you can set up a, something for your kids or your family or whatever. You know, we want to help right. them realize those dreams via the franchise, and so yeah. I think that was just important to mention as well. Yeah, no, it's brilliant to mention. I mean, starting with the end in mind, I love that, right? Um, I think it's a Stephen Covey. Isn't that a Stephen? Oh yeah, Covey? yeah. We probably stole it from somebody. I don't know. Yeah, seven habits <laughs> of successful. Yeah, I mean that's such a great idea, though, right? I mean, if you don't know, if you're not clear on your goal and where you're headed, then it's really hard to make the right decisions. Right. Many and early. I think it helps to get get guys out of the blocks a little quicker too, because they're already thinking forward. And yeah. in our, you know, in sometimes in our business, the owner can get sucked into it. And I'm again, I, I use that phrase and I, I, I have all my owners read the E-Myth, which I think is a fantastic book. But, but it's, it's that phrase of, you know, don't work in your business, work on your business. And sometimes with the equipment and guys like playing back there, I'm like, I got to pull them up by the scruff of the neck, get them back to 50,000 feet, say, hey, look around, let's make sure we <laughs> decisions and see where you're going because you need to get ready to sell in a year or two. And I want to make sure you're on the path for the, the, the price point that you want. So if you were to uh, just kind of think about your experiences now, you've been doing this a while. Mm. Um, is there a couple key ingredients that you guys try to incorporate or look for when you're launching a new business in a market? So when you're coaching a new owner, obviously you're giving them a blueprint, you're giving them resources and training. Um, but is there an ingredient on, on the on the mindset side or Absolutely. a skill that that you really look for early on to help? The, the business owners. 
Well, I will tell you this, Rob, um, for, for the listeners, I'm sure there'll be some shaking of heads. There is no crystal ball when it comes to deciding who is going to be a great franchisee. I mean, I've been doing long enough. I've been exposed to it. And I'm, there's guys I'm going, man, that guy's going to knock it out of the park. And he's, an, he's a complete failure. And other guys, I'm like, I'm not sure about him or her. And then they end up being rock stars. Right. And so but what you can do is go, hey, if you're willing to learn and you're willing to put some time in we can help you get there. And I think what you're getting to is what is that secret sauce? Obviously it's our operations manual and all the things we teach them in our training program. But yeah. for us, it's a little different in that. Um, I know for me, um, I want to build trust with owners and that's earned because I know as a coach, if I can get through to them and they don't see the home office as adversarial and that we're partners with them truly. Yes. We got to collect your royalties and some stuff you maybe don't want to pay and all that. But that's just part of the deal. But if I can break through that and go, look, don't look at me as a home office goon. Look at me as just somebody who cares about your business and is just here to help you achieve whatever goals you want. If you don't want to grow, I'm totally fine with that. Let's just define success what that means for you. Maybe that's more time out of the studio. Maybe that's more time playing golf, you know, whatever that is. And so I want to break down those barriers where they start to view me and the wider team as just there as an extension of their team. And if I can get to there and I have with owners, then the, the future is really bright because then they're open to taking information and you can get through to them. And, and you know, look, I've, I've had owners at my house, like we've become friends and that's kind of nice too, because I can push back if I need to, and I can give them a kick in the butt sometimes if, if they really want it. Right. And so it just helps in so many ways. So I know that sounds cliche and a little bit, Hippy dippy, but um, that is one main pillar of us is that franchise or franchisee relationship. If you don't have that, then everything else is difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really getting them to buy in, it sounds like, right? Getting them yeah. to say, I'm going to reach out when I need to. I'm going to communicate. I'm going to listen. I'm going to, I'm going to do, you know, the things that you're sharing with me. And, and, and if they're open minded and willing, then it sounds like there's a path to success that's pretty clear. And, and, but it's that willingness, right, to to do that. Well, there's, there's a phrase in franchising that says, I, I can't care more about your business than you do. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Because yeah. I've had some sleepless nights going, man, I really want to help this guy out or whatever. And I'm like, ah, they're just they're just not ready to take the advice. And, and you know, that's life, Rob. You, you've probably, I know I've been where people have told me great advice, absolutely spot on. But I wasn't in the headspace or the time frame to hear it. Right. Yeah. If you would have told me that six months later, it would have been absolutely perfect. And so sometimes you've got to meet the owners where they are. And again, yeah. just try to find the success where they are and I go, look, I don't have any agenda other than to help you. And once we have yeah. that established, then then the barriers come down. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think that, yeah, it's important. I mean, but in any partnership, there's an idea of win win. We both win. Uh, and what you're saying is that looks different for different people. But uh, it's still win-win, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, the uh, you know, this is Franchise Marketing Radio. So, I like to talk about marketing. Oh, yeah. uh, tell me a little bit about your business. I know it's B2B, so it's interesting. Is there some ingredients that you guys focus on when you either launch or ongoing support of your franchise locations? Is there digital marketing programs or things in place that you feel or have learned that just have to be there uh, for them? Yeah. Is there something important that you just, this is what every owner gets. I mean, a, clearly a website or a web presence and so forth, but is there, what are those ingredients look like? Yeah. There, there's a couple that jump right out of the, the top of the box for me. And because we're visual, right? You can talk to yeah. somebody on a sales call and talk about, 
how this wall mural is going to transform your space. And by the way, we're getting a lot of that because businesses are trying to attract employees back into the office post COVID and they don't want to come. And some of these owners are going, look, I got all this open space downtown. Maybe if I just kind of think differently about what the space looks like and we we can do some really cool things with a space, right? Like, you know, different rooms with different themes and all kinds of things. Yeah. Um, So, so that's happening. But um, as far as uh, launching, okay. So definitely PPC paper click. I think that's table stakes for any small business right now. And we actually offered a matching program to where we would match some of the the owner's dollars to help them get more bang for their buck. So, so PPC pay-per-click and, and and just for the audience, right? So Google, Google ads, you know, obviously Facebook has a a lot of platforms are per click. Uh, But when we think of that, we think of Google Uh, and Google is very unique in the sense that it's, it's really different because if we're talking about google.com, the search engine, we're talking about people looking for things versus I'm just on a website and I see something pushed at me. Uh, there's a very different, you know, uh, Facebook ads are pay-per-click, but they're, you know, the ads are pushed to you based on who you are or whatever, what you like. And then on Google side, it's more like, no, I'm going to go to Google. And I like that you said that it's sort of like, well, this is a foundational thing. That's what I was listening for because whether you do a lot or a little of the Google, it's important because that's where people rebound, right? They tend to hear about you, think about you, see something marketing wise about you. Could be offline, right? Could be, but you know, they're going to go back to Google. So it's interesting that you said that. So tell us, so you have like a matching. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, certainly that goes along with it. I think, and you know, this Rob PPC and SEO kind of go hand in hand. You know, if you're, if your SEO is strong on your website, you're driving, that's going to maybe enhance PPC and vice versa. You know, by PPC, you're going to drive more people to the website. That's going to drive SEO as well. And you're going to show up higher in the ranking. So I think those go hand in hand. And for us, again, being a visual business, you know, again, trying to explain this, like, Hey, you know, we, we promote and do some free stuff on behalf of owners to help you post stuff to, to Facebook if you want. And we've got a what we call a managed social program that helps owners. Look, you guys are busy. We want you going out working on your business. You can offload some of this to us just so we can make sure that people see the visual stuff that you guys do. You know, we're always asking for pictures to put out there and show that stuff. Um, yeah. There's one thing I, I do want to mention that isn't necessarily digital marketing, but I think it goes to the heart of your question a little bit. Yeah. You know, I think every franchise out there has got this initial training program that they put people through, right? Mm-hmm. For, for marketing for us, they do prerequisites online, watch videos and understand all of the tools we have before they're even allowed to come to Denver for training because we want them to understand it at least a little bit so that when we're teaching the, the intricacies to them, it's not just going over their head. They've got a baseline for that. So there's a lot of got different it. things in our toolbox, right? You know, we've got calling programs and all kinds of things. But um, I think... It's important to understand that, that that initial training is really important. You know, they're going to spend, you know, uh, you know, maybe two weeks in Denver, you know, one in kind of the business side, another in the production side. But to me, what while that's really important, it's what happens after that. And that's where the onboarding really kicks in, where I'm having at least weekly calls with new owners and making sure that stuff gets embedded because they get hit with the fire hose and they're learning all this new stuff. And then you just simply cannot expect that person to retain all of that when they go back to their respective studio, then, then real life starts happening again. They're outside the bubble of, of the training studio. Right. And right. so that's, that's really important too. So, you know, they might come in and go, man, I want to do PPC or I want to do this or that. And then they go back and go, what was that thing again? And how does that work? And so that's, what we do the individual stuff to make sure not only, and it's, it's, it's also coached for effectiveness, right? Because right. it's not about checking the box when I'm doing PPC, we're going, Hey, let's meet with our providers 
after the first month, if not before then, and really dial in your keywords and making sure you're getting the right bang for your buck and really try to dial it in. And I would say that would be a coaching advice to anybody out there. If you're starting a PPC program, I don't believe ever that it's a set it, forget it thing in the first few months. I think you you, you got to at least give yourself 60 to 90 days to dial that in and then probably another quarter to see really what the true results are. Yeah. But, but again, you know, you got, you know, in the franchise world, somebody goes, I'm doing PPC. It doesn't work for me. And I'm going, well, let's figure out what we, what you've done with it. You know, have you really looked at it or not? And before we really understand if it's, if it's worthwhile or not for you, yeah. by and large though, we do really well with PPC and it at least pays for itself for most of our owners. Yeah. Good to hear. Well, and I always laugh when people say if it doesn't work, it's like, well, it it works. It's just a matter of, you know, working it the right way. Uh, Google wouldn't be who they are if if it didn't work. Uh, By the way, Rob, last one is online reviews are really important too. Oh, of course. Well, it's all linked, right? So I was getting back to uh, the reputation part of it. Really, when you think of Google holistically, whether it's organic or it's reviews or it's uh, that to, to do the ad side. Anytime someone sees you on Google for different reasons or angles, it's all about building your reputation and your brand. And 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 you know, if if anything else, like what I'm saying is, you don't have to have a huge allocation of your budget towards paying for Google ads, but you should have a presence on Google that will take care of the rest of your marketing. Because when you're talking to folks or you're networking or if you're in B2B and you're outreaching in certain ways, well, Google is going to be a big part of what they do when they kind of look at you and that's why having something in place is important. And again, you can right size that. And that's what it sounds like you guys do with your, with your owners. So that's amazing. Um, But but real quick, before we wrap up the B2B idea, I just, I was thinking, you know, what's the thoughts on LinkedIn thoughts on traditional, you get your traditional sales background. So you you know that. So tell me a little bit about how do you apply that sort of thinking uh, for these owners who may not have a sales background, right? Mm-hmm. How do you teach them how to build that territory out and how to network and outreach? Yeah. What, what, what are you, what, what do you focus on? What yeah, it's every, you mentioned LinkedIn because I kind of, I say this in my training. I said, you know, I talk about networking and, and best practices and how you want to approach these meetings and, you know, understanding how you, you know, what you want to get out of them, uh, you know, all kind of tips and tricks on, you know, like for instance, like I tell people to be the connector within your BNI or chamber of commerce group where people view you as the one that connects other people together. And then when you need a favor, you can always ask them. Right. And so you can kind of work things differently. Right. Um, you know, one of my other tips is I say, call, call three, three networking contacts a week and don't sell to them. Just check in on how they are and don't have an agenda, just call them and help them out. And you'd, yeah. you'd be surprised what comes of that. So, but what I was getting to with you though, is when you say LinkedIn, I always say, I still think LinkedIn is the best networking tool we have. Yes, it's gotten more Facebooky and people put other kind of personal stuff on there. But as far as just mining information, whether you're using LinkedIn Navigator or not, which is the additional fee where you can really get into stuff, even just right. your general LinkedIn, what I teach in my sales class is, I, I go, be the salesperson you would want to be calling on you. And what that means is you know what it feels like when somebody calls you, they don't know you, they, they've not done a lick of research at all, and it sounds generic. And I go, we are going to be the anti-used car salesman. So what I want you before you call anybody, before you pick up a phone, try to find out about the person a little bit and get an understanding of what might drive them so that when you call or you meet with them or whatever, you've got some understanding. And I still think LinkedIn is a great way to get some good information about who decision makers are and maybe a little bit about their background. So that it gives you a little bit of a leg up when you have that initial conversation, you, you have some background. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. I, you know, 
your market to people. Well, we used to, um, uh, so I was involved with a, an outreach company uh, that did appointment setting for for businesses in the B2B space. And we always, our mantra was, we always said, leave the prospect better off with every touch. Great. So no matter what you're doing, think about that email, think about that message, think about that voicemail even. What are you doing? Is there something you can do that you're being thoughtful about that person? How are you helping them? How are you leaving them better off? Can you do that? Just with that little thought, right? It makes you think differently about that email. Uh, I know I get emails all the time and I'm like, what? I, I, I am not your prospect. You are yeah. wasting your time right now. Well, it's kind of like I say, you know, if you, you can actually harm your business yeah. if you're sending out the wrong information. Because I have owners go, hey, I'm, I'm doing an email campaign. I mean, yeah, but what does it look like? <laughs> Right. It's that qualitative, like, hey, what kind of return are you getting? Like, maybe these poor numbers are telling you it's not the right voice and message, and we need to relook at what you're sending out. I do want you to put stuff out there so that your customers' heads don't get turned by competitors or they're aware of the new cool stuff you're doing. But if you get to a point where you're bugging them or it's clogging up inboxes or it feels pushy or whatever, that's not where we're going with that. It's just need a nice, light touch. Hey, we're here, local neighborhood folks that can help you with your business. And that's it. That's how we're buying today. That's how people buy, you know? So that's brilliant. I appreciate your time. And, and before we wrap things up, um, I just wanted to see if you wanted to share uh, uh, maybe the website that folks can can go and check out Speed Pro, uh, both from the consumer side or the business side and or from the opportunity side. Is there some Yeah, it's really just www.speedpro.com. And you can find individual studios in your area or the corporate site, you know, in terms of if you're interested in potentially purchasing one or looking into it, I would all just start from there. And uh, and that'll, that'll probably Perfect. be a good start. We've got 130 odd locations around the United States, another 30 in Canada. We're not in every major market, but even some major markets, we've got several locations and we can print and ship anywhere in the country, including overseas sometimes. And we've got a a nationwide network of installers. So if you're in Boise, Idaho or Boca Raton, we we can get somebody out there to to wrap your building if you want. We'll do it. Yeah. Well, just, and if you're interested in the business, just reach out, right? There's, there's probably plenty of room for growth and uh, and, and you would love to meet those folks. So we encourage that. It's been a pleasure having you on the call, uh, on the show today. And, um, before I do, uh, leave you, I wanted to just see, is there something in, in your journey, uh, these, especially these last few years, is there one thing that you kind of want to leave with the audience that you think is like a kind of a magic bullet? Is there anything like that, that you just feel like I always, 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 you know, reinforce this, this. Yeah. It's, it's so clear to me, you know, there's points where I had some low points in my life and I always go back to when I'm down or thinking that the world's against me, I always try to think about other people and try to give something back. And that always kind of gives me more energy and makes me more humble and thankful and so and I just kind of take that into my business. And I just think that whether you're working for a franchisor or you're an individual franchisee with, dealing with your customers, and again, it, it sounds old fashioned, but just being a good, honorable person and letting people know you care can take you a long way because there's so many people out there that don't or were cynical about the world today. And just a, a bright, you know, some kind of light in their universe a little bit, like can, can be the leader that you really aspire to be and things will tend to work out for you. How about that? That's not overly fantastic, but there you go. That's what I think. No, I thought it was amazing. I I love the idea of giving, right? The giving does get you out of yourself, whether you're talking business or personal, 
but you're investing in something or somebody in this particular moment, that's probably a better place to be than dwelling on anything that's holding you back. So that is, uh, that's amazing and very true, at least I've found in my experiences. So thank you for sharing that, Zach. And thanks for being on the show today. Oh, my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me.